I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. Do you approve of recording this message? I approve of recording this message. Excellent. Well, how are you on this fine Monday? I am feeling groovy. What about you, my friend? Groovy? I don't know that I've used that word in a long time. <laughs> ever. That's because you wasn't born in the 70s, my friend. <laughs> you know? I mean, about that groovy life. <laughs> so um, I like these uh, little twists that Mahalia is in. Yeah, let me tell you. So I found a new hair spot, black owned, staffed by all women of color out in Oakland. Okay. Shout out to the folks at Good Body on on Grand Ave and and Telegraph. It was such a great experience. I like it. I like it. And did you have like a full on, like wonderful black woman in a hair salon experience? Oh, girl, yes. This was my experience growing up, but I, now as an adult, I, I appreciate more like how much self-care goes into just being in those spaces. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, so girl, I got to tell you about something. I th- I'm trying to remember, did I tell you this? But so I recently had the great pleasure and honor of giving a commencement address. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was a little nervous about it. However, I was telling my hairstylist in the hair salon and another one of my friends who was in the salon at the time about this, that this was coming up and they all had the grand idea that I would rehearse my, my speech in the hair salon. Oh my God. So I want you to just dig this picture, right? So you got somebody sitting in my stylist chair, Mm -hmm. somebody's under the dryer, somebody is taking down some braids. Um, somebody's kid is on the floor coloring. So this is all going on. Mm-hmm. And me standing in the middle of the floor, reciting my speech. Mm. And I want you to know, if you give a speech or a lecture and you get the approval of the hair salon, baby, yeah. you ready. You good. So this is, this, this is why I was able to, you know, walk into that space with all that confidence, because I mean, this had the stamp of approval <laughs> of the salon. I'm basking in this image right now. It was the blackest thing I think I have done in a long time. Yeah, which is saying a lot for sure. (laughs) For me, right? Yeah, (laughs) for sure, right? (laughs) Yes, ma'am. So that was dope. Yeah, that that was dope. Yeah. Anything cool that you learned in the last week? I learned something. I don't know if I want to call it cool. Um, Because, you know, as you know, we um, now have emergency use authorization to vaccinate Um, children 12 and older against COVID. And I've had both of my children vaccinated actually, or my teens vaccinated at this point, two doses. And what I learned was about these reports of um, myocarditis and pericarditis over the emergency or adverse events um, reporting system. After the second dose 
in, in some of these kids who've been vaccinated. Now, of course, we know there have been millions of people vaccinated. This appears to be rare. And I think it is a good place that we're in now that we're, we're talking about and bringing to the attention of, of our patients mm-hmm. the kinds of things that can happen in relation to medications and, and vaccines. But this isn't just something that hit home for me just as a doctor. You know, I'm a mom whose kids just got that second dose. Yeah, no, I mean, as I've mentioned before, <laughs> in, in both gratitude and humility, I do not have any children. But I, I, I thought about that, particularly when, you know, it's one thing to get yourself vaccinated and, and take that responsibility, especially if you're in spaces where you're caring for others. Yeah. But like, yeah, like I might feel some type of way if I was making the decision about my children. Yeah. And it's a funny space um, because these kids are older, right? So, mm-hmm. so my children are at an age where they're talking to me saying like, well, I maybe, maybe I should be able to decide, do I consent or, mm-hmm. or not consent to this? Unfortunately, you know, my kids are in a trusting relationship with me and, uh, you know, agreed to be vaccinated. I, I do think that this is just something to add into people's deliberation. I do recognize that every time I get in my car and go somewhere, get on a plane, walk out my front door, do just about anything, the chances of something adverse happening to me or my children is so much exponentially greater mm-hmm. than anything that could happen related to the, this particular va- vaccination that you know, I, I try to think about all of that too, but it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a tricky subject and that's something I learned about. So that is described. It is rare. And a lot of the folks fully recover. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. And of course, you know, we'll see how, how things evolve. There's always new information coming out every day, but dang, like speaking of the moms and, and children, I happen to have a number of amazing friends who are pregnant. Okay. One of the things that I learned, actually, um, forgive me if, if you already know this, Kimberly, but cell-free DNA screening for chromosomal aneuploidies. Say what? No, I, uh, whatever you're about to say, I was today years old when I learned it. So, okay. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So um, I, you know, vaguely remember back in med school, like for um, screening for like trisomy 21, otherwise known as, as Down syndrome and other chromosomal abnormalities. Um, it's like an invasive procedure where they have to take some amniotic fluid and yeah. um, do sampling in that way. But I guess this is like a newish technology where they just can look in a mother's peripheral blood and um, look for fetal DNA as early as like 10 weeks what? Yeah. And, and screen for those same disorders and tell you the sex of your child. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, look at that. Look at that. Well, see, I, I didn't, I didn't even get um, the amnio with my pregnancies because I was too scared. Um, <laughs> saw that big old needle. I was like, you know what? Yeah. yeah I'm a pass, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. You know, I have to be honest in my, my ignorance around the subject fully. I don't, I don't think it is offered to, to everyone, but it is an option, I think, particularly for, for um, pregnancies that are considered higher risk. Okay. And I have, you know, a number of friends who've waited on the later side to get pregnant. And so still trying to take all the precautions around that area. It's so disrespectful that like 35 is considered older. Tell know, me about it. Geriatric pregnancy. Right. Like, I'm, I'm that term. <laughs> somebody somebody disrespectful. (laughs) (laughs) 
So Ashley, yes, ma'am. What's the what today? The, the, the what is pride? Well, the what, the what is pride? Yes, okay. that is the word for today. June is pride month. Mm-hmm. And so I figured, you know, why, why not tell a little bit about my, my story of, of pride and, and what it took for me to journey along the path of self-acceptance and my, my queer identity. Okay. You know, everybody, everybody's story is different. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've reflected a lot on mine because it was difficult and, um, you know, I have to remind myself when I get into uh, places of, of insecurity or kind of feeling down on myself, just like how far I had to come and how much I overcame to get to this point of mm. being proud of who I am. Mm. And so, you know, I, I remember very early on, you know, again, like this, this sense of, of, of difference, especially kind of going through my, my childhood and teenage years where, you know, other, uh, my peers and my, my friend group were, you know, finding themselves in that 90s teen obsession with, you know, it's, it's this era of Bow Wow, Amarion, like, <laughs> like, I know it's, it is what it is, but it's, you know, these are the things that I was, you know, in my mind, I was like, I, I, I should be into this for the reasons that everybody else is. And it just kind of started this, this process of like what I should be doing, like who I should be, like how I should be presenting. Mm. Um, Cause these are the messages that I'm getting in terms of what's accepted, what's, what's positive, what are the images that seem consistent with, with happiness and, and wholeness. Mm-hmm. And it definitely wasn't no, um, you know, dark skin, queer, natural hair, like <laughs> independent woman. Right. Um, and I also am, am someone who, who grew up in, in the Christian faith tradition. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's just kind of all these signals and messages that very much told me who I needed to be okay. in order to be loved, in order to be proud of myself. So when you said that when you were younger mm-hmm. and everybody was like hyped about, you know, Bow Wow and B2K or whomever people of your age liked mm-hmm. at that time. Um, <laughs> <that's great. laughs> Did you feel like you knew something or was it that you just knew you felt an indifference toward what everybody else was feeling? I just kind of recognized, you know, differences in, in feelings, but didn't identify it as me being queer, me being gay. Like, okay. that's kind of where I was at at that point. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so I get to college kind of like grappling with this emerging identity at this wonderful liberal arts university called Trinity in San Antonio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, in my last year, I, of course, was like late to register for courses. And I was like, I got to graduate. This is my last semester. And so I needed one kind of advanced course in like religion or sociology or something like that. And um, of the few choices that I had, I ended up taking a advanced Jewish studies course, hmm. um, which was definitely pushed me a little outside of my comfort zone. In okay. terms of, like it's a smaller course. Um, so there were maybe like five or six students total. Of course, I'm just learning a, a, a ton about a, a culture and an identity that, you know, I hadn't spent a lot of time like kind of immersing myself in. So this was... Mm-hmm 
again, what I love about the college experience is that I got to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of our assignments was to interview rabbis on kind of the the spectrum of like kind of ultra conservative to a little bit more progressive. And so I ended up uh, interviewing a rabbi who kind of fell like right in the middle. Okay. And um, went out and attended a, a service and, you know, got to meet with just this gentleman afterwards and goodness, this is going on like 10, 11 years ago. Okay. And I will never forget this experience. I was sitting in this man's office and we kind of had a list of questions that we were supposed to ask. And mm-hmm. the, um, the professor wanted us to get into kind of some of the more controversial issues and particularly around same-sex marriage. Hmm. So I asked the rabbi, like, you know, if, if there was a member in your congregation who uh, wanted to get married to somebody of the same gender, would you perform that ceremony? And like, what are your thoughts around it? Dang. Yeah. Student, student Ashley. <laughs> no, right. Right in, right? Going in deep. I'm not even going to act like I asked that with confidence. I was probably like staring at the page, like, <laughs> uh, stammering over my words, but you know, he, he thought about it, um, kind of chewed on his answer for a little bit. And he was like, you know, within the, the boundaries of, you know, my uh, faith tradition or something along those lines, he said that he, he could not perform that ceremony, but he said, I would find that couple of rabbi who would, and I would be sitting in the first row of, of their wedding he kind of broke it down in just the sense of just like, you know, Mm. there are biological difference, there's social differences, and there's nothing wrong with that. For for someone in a like relatively conservative, like Jewish faith tradition to affirm that it's not that big a deal, like it's Mm. okay. For whatever reason, like it just broke open the dam for me in the sense of like, it's okay. (laughs) Right it's okay to be different. Like it's, it's nothing that you can control or change. It's just you. I mean, I wish I could say I went home and I was just like, I'm gay. Like I'm, I'm free, but <laughs> you know, it, it took me some time after that, but I would say like, that was the first real step forward for me in the sense, this may not be something that I need to like be so afraid of. Hmm. So I graduated college ended up in, in med school in, in Houston after a year of, of doing research. I got to a point in my third year, I had, um, you know, I had still been in this space of trying to change, trying to, trying to push back, trying to find acceptance. Oh. There was still a lot of fear um, how other people would see me. Would my, would my family still love me? I felt oh. like I really needed to try everything possible. Spent a lot of time in church trying to pray away the gay, if you will. Oh. Yeah. And then, you know, ironically enough, um, I was in church one night. It was a message that made me realize there's so much that I have to offer this world that I cannot do if I'm wasting all the time and energy trying so desperately to be someone that I'm not. It was an important time for me because this is like literally right as I was about to go off to start my interview trail for residency programs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it changed so much for me in the sense that it was just like, I'm still working through this process. I have to be somewhere where I can feel comfortable being who I am, Mm. where I can be seen, where I can 
know myself mm. and bring all of that into a space of both learning and healing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, without fully kind of knowing this on the front end, now I'm that I'm on the back end and um, welcoming new interns into our program to know your story and, and how that intersects with others and, and what mm. you bring into that space, what your blind spots are like, mm. you know, it, it, it matters a whole bunch. And I just, Oh God, I can't imagine having gone through residency without knowing who I was right, or being accepting right. of who I was or being able to walk in that. Amen. Mm. So um, it took mm-hmm. a long time. You know, I wish part of me always wishes I had been, you know, able to kind of explore all this a little bit earlier in, in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, I, I love how my story unfolded and how much I learned like as an adult and how it's shaped me into a doctor and, and a human being that I, I love and am proud of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, however long it took me to get there. Mm. You said that fear mm-hmm. was a big piece of what kind of held you back. And um, of course, um, when I think about your family and how close knit your family is, mm-hmm. I could definitely see how not being in the good graces of those folks. Cause I mean, what a loving family. Yeah. Um, so were your fears, I mean, did they play out? Yeah. That was like a huge part of it is what would my family think? What would my mom think? Mm-hmm. Um, and she was actually the first person that I talked to. Okay. Um, and you know, we, we'd kind of touched on it before. Like she kind of asked me like gently, like, Hey, like, is this something you're struggling with? Mama's be be knowing. That's exactly, that's exactly what she said after the fact. Um, but I wasn't ready. And then when I, um, when I did call her and I was crying and I was just like, look, like, I can't, I can't keep hating myself. Like I can't do this anymore. Mm. And she started crying too. <laughs> Cause Aww. you know, I think, you know, for her, it was just like, um, my baby to be happy. Exactly. I, I, I think she just didn't want me to, she didn't want to see me hurt. And I think that she was also scared in a way of like, you know, life is going to be challenging, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but her words were exactly that. She's like, I just want you to be happy. Mm. Um, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> Mm. like about to start crying just thinking about it again um because that's a blessing Ashley because there's so many people listening who probably are on some spectrum of what you're talking about Mm -hmm. and and then some who did not get what you got from your mom absolutely once I heard that from her it was just like other folks might not get it like but if I have that from her like that's honestly like all I needed but I'm grateful in the sense that it was pretty anticlimactic after that. Like there, there were family members that I told and I was just like, yeah, we knew. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, child. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love that. I've heard quite a few people say that, like that people in their family were like, oh, oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh, I knew that. <laughs> and then like immediately move on to the next topic. Like I didn't just rehearse it for three hours to tell you that. Um, oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a beautiful thing to get to, you mm-hmm. know, um, and 
I will say that there is something that kind of struck me that that rabbi said to you, um, this, this part of some people are just different. Mm-hmm. I will probably revise that to say everyone is just different, mm-hmm. right? Every one of us is different. The, the, the problem is that the world sort of creates what is normal, air quotes, and what mm-hmm. is, you know, other. Um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Mm. What would you tell that girl that was probably totally queer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not even probably. Hella queer. <laughs> hella queer. <laughs> what would you tell that, that hella queer girl? Yeah. Well, I would tell her she needs to drink more water. <laughs> um, I would tell her the world is waiting for you. Uh, don't be afraid of what other people think because if you are living authentically living in your truth whether there are haters and naysayers like you're gonna find your path mm, and mm. you're gonna be so much happier mm, mm. so I have a really close friend um, who is a same gender loving black man shout out to Dr. David Malabranch mm-hmm. And, you know, he gave me something to think about because I, you know, in my identity as a, um, a cisgendered head woman, I, 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 that is, there's privilege in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I remember one day I asked him about, um, I used the term coming out and um, he corrected me and he said that, you know, it's really about the day that you decide to welcome everybody in. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that is a measured thing. You, you, like you started off by letting your mom in and then some other people in um, some people decide to let the whole world in through, you know, a Twitter <laughs> post or a TikTok or yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I love that, that idea of, of letting people in. Um, Absolutely. The day you decide that, you know, other folks' perceptions of you don't decide who you are in society. And I, again, and it's not, the other thing that I learned is just like, it's not a one and done, you know, unless you're Grady Doc and you got, you know, over 70,000 followers on Twitter, and then you can <laughs> you know, announce it that way. I didn't have enough people following me to <laughs> make a Twitter post. Girl. Um, <laughs> Well, I feel very, very fortunate to know this authentic version of you. And um, just to be clear, um, I love everything about you from your um, professionally twisted hair, Mm -hmm. 4C, (laughs) um, but also to you walking uh, into this world, into medical spaces, into our professional spaces, and then just in your daily life mm-hmm. as your entire beautiful, Black, queer, brilliant, shit-talking self. Ooh, okay. Uh, um, but I appreciate you too, sis, for being a whole-ass professor of medicine and being a thousand percent Blackity-Black. <laughs> And letting all of us know, like, we can show up in that way, too. Show up as your whole self. And if yourself ain't blackity black, you brownity brown or whitey white or whatever, the, whatever the mixity mixed, whatever you are, 
Like we here for it. Just, yeah. just do it as you, yo. You know, just do it as you. That's for you. We, we need you. We need you to show up as yourself. Say word. So. Well, Ashley, I love you, my friend. I love you too, sis. All right. Get out here and do great things. Yeah. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and The Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.